So we have been looking at a series of what it is that enchains and enslaves us as Christians and basically wrecks our lives. And we have had this question each week that we have been asked that, uh, that we need to ask each other in our lives, in light of my past experience, my present circumstance, and any future hopes or dreams, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? What we see here is when it comes to wisdom, the Bible tells us about wisdom. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. And why do you call me Lord and not do what I say, not act out what I say? So wisdom, biblical wisdom, is seeing and acting God's way. And see, the Bible is written to help us to see that God is saying, these are my ways. So when you see God's ways and act God's ways, then you're going to be that wise person. And as a result, you will grow more satisfied with life. So we agree that money and things do not produce lasting happiness, don't we? In fact, that's what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6. But godliness without contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have clothes and food, we will be content with that. So what we see happening here is Jesus is debunking the thought that Blessing and wealth equals, equals God's smiling upon your life. Where Paul is saying that if you look at wealth, if you look at riches, it has nothing to do with contentment for the Christian. But how many of us and how many in this world think a little bit more money will make us happy? And a little bit more exercise and weight loss will be what I need or if I was only married I would be set and married people said if I was only single again I would be set and people say if I only had that iPhone 8 and we think when we get these things in our lives then I will love life so if you find yourself in in that state of mind of always wanting a little bit more We need to be people that understand that these things will often just accelerate discontentment and enslavement. And these things make you more anxious about life. And there's some things that you can do to to keep contentment away. There's things you can do to help you to dislike self and have a a point in your life where you're discontent and angry with God, these things can wreck your life. Of course, we're going to look at them as kind of a sarcasm here, where I'm saying the opposite of what I really think you ought to do. And yes, these things can, can set you back in your faith. And I really don't want you doing these things. And I really don't want you hating your life. But there's some things you can do in your life that will really mess you up. First thing that can really mess you up is that becoming great at being ungrateful. Becoming great at being ungrateful. And this is easy. 
Think about all the things that you don't have in life. Also, if you want to be a person that's ungrateful, avoid reading the Bible. Where it says things like in Hebrews 12, 28, Let us be thankful then, because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be grateful and worship God in a way that pleases Him, with reverence and awe. Don't read that kind of stuff. And don't give thanks because you don't have all you need. Focus on what you don't have, rather than the things you do have in life. And don't thank God for your car because it's old and it's got a lot of miles. Don't think about that the percentage of the population in this world that owns cars is about 3%. And it usually only happens in nations like ours where everyone owns a car. Most nations, it's only the extremely rich. Most people ride cars and buses or they take a bike. So let's look at this. So if you're a person that is great at being ungrateful, what's the cure? The cure is choosing an attitude of gratitude. Choose because gratitude is a choice, not a feeling. And happiness, I believe, is a choice. Where we often feel that happiness is just getting what, a, what you want in life. Yes, that may produce a temporary euphoria getting what you want, but lasting happiness is making a choice to be happy. Now, second of all, if you want to wreck your life, compare what you have to what other people have who have more. Compare your life to people who have more than you. So don't compare your life with people that have less than you because you might be more satisfied. And we all compare, don't we? We compare in order to figure out how we measure up. How else will you know if you're successful or not? Or if you're too fat or too skinny? So always find someone who has something more or something better than you. And if you're really starting to, to like your house, then go to some open houses up in Geist Reservoir or Carmel and see some of the things that you may have never dreamed of. And then head home to your shack <laughs> and see how you feel. Or let's say try comparing your husband or your wife with someone else's. Well, let's look at some people on television and, and look at their lives and, and let's look at the bodies of these young ladies that haven't eaten a meal since 2008 and compare yourself with them. And let's see if that isn't working. Comparison. So what's the cure? The cure is to say, I'm going to be thankful to say, I'm going to be thankful with where I am and not going to compare because what you will find happening is that when you start being thankful rather than comparing, you're going to start loving your life. See, we need to be people that understand that we have a lot. So what's the next thing we need to do to, to hate our life and feel chained down? Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. 
What in the world is an eternal treasure? We can't put our hand on that, but we all know what temporary things and those possessions are and how fun they can be. Don't listen to what Jesus says in John or Luke 12, 15, where he says, watch out that your life isn't consisting only of possessions. Jesus said that because he didn't have anything possession-wise. He didn't even have a place to sleep. So, of course, Jesus is going to tell us to not focus on stuff. And if you focus on stuff, your hatred of life is going to keep going up. Or if you invest in the things that last, let's see, like you invest your time and energy in God, what's going to happen there? Well, you're going to start seeing that, that there is a, a cure there for you. When you start seeing that relationships are important, and what you're going to discover is, you're going to discover that the only things that really last are God, God's Word, and God's people. And you know what happens when you start investing in relationships? You will discover that your enjoyment and your level of love is going to keep increasing. God says, if you invest in me and my ways and my kingdom, invest in other people, you're going to find that your life gets better and better. And the more miserable a person is, is that person that is wrapped up in themselves. Who is thinking, if, if I could just get this thing for myself, if I could just get in a different situation, I will have a way out. Now the fourth way to feel chained down and resent your life is resent God for where you are in life. Because your situation has to be God's fault. God knows you're in this situation. And God could change it after all, couldn't He? God could give us more. And He could do more for us if He wanted to. So we blame God. And resent Him for our situation at work. Or our bad marriage. Or our bad finances. Even though we tithe, we say, God, you're still not blessing me financially. And we aren't where we would thought we would be in life at this point of life. Did you know discontentment reveals something hidden deep inside of us? Something in our heart that is covering up probably other issues in our life. And I'm telling you, if you keep blaming God for your life, it's only going to get worse and worse. So what's the cure? Instead, look for God in your present circumstances. The passage you heard read today by Tim, he said, I told you this so that you will have peace by being united with me. Did you hear that? You will have peace by being united with me. See, the world will make you suffer, but be brave, for I have defeated the world. Jesus is saying, peace isn't found in this world, but peace is found in me. Because in this world, you will have troubles. But be brave, I have defeated the world. Jesus says, if you grow in a relationship with me, you won't have to have these things, these things of the world. 
And we realize that Jesus is enough. See, Jesus is enough. When you've been sick for a long time, when you've lost your job, when your relationships have fallen apart, Jesus says, I will never leave or forsake you. He said, I'll always be there. And you need to discover that Jesus is enough. And when you stop and see God in your circumstances, you will start to love your life. Now lastly, if you want to be enslaved by life and and develop that bad attitude, develop an attitude of entitlement. See, you've worked hard. You deserve a better car. You deserve a better house. You deserve better clothing. And you need to treat yourself. Don't ask the Bible what you deserve. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin and those that live on this earth is death. Death relationally, death spiritually, death physically. That's what we deserve. So have an attitude of entitlement. And even better, have an attitude of victimization. Where you're a victim of the world. Where you're saying, everyone's getting stuff but me. So what's the cure? The cure is to believe your life is a gift from God. And to believe that God lived for you. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learned this secret so that anywhere, at any time, I am content whether I'm full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Paul is saying, Jesus is enough. No matter what state you're in, Jesus is enough. There was a Dutch cardiologist named Pen Van Lomen, and he was an international expert on those who have almost died and came back from death, which gives him kind of a unique perspective on what matters in life. And he said, Nearly every near-death experience goes hand-in-hand with a life review. So if you have a near-death experience, you're going to be looking back on your life. And during which people gain insight, gain insight to the consequences of their actions. And the result is, in those life reviews, is changes in their life. They see that life isn't about power, status, appearance, nice clothes, young bodies, houses, or cars. But they discover something entirely different in that near-death experience. They discover that life is about love. Love for God. Love for His creation. Love for His people. Love for themselves. You don't have to believe that, but this is what the expert said, and he's been talking to people that have been on the edge of death for years. See, I think what we hear from this is an invitation, an invitation to all of us to say and to make a decision that Jesus is enough. See, you have a choice to say, 
I'm not going to hate my life anymore. I'm going to embrace the simple principle that Jesus is enough. He's enough for your salvation. Jesus is enough for your forgiveness. Jesus is enough for your future, which includes heaven. And Jesus is enough for you to stop comparing. Stop blaming God for where you are. And at this season of your life, to find contentment. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you're a God that cares about us, that loves us, that you're there for us, that you're enough and all that we need. Let us avoid these five attitudes that enslave us and drag us down and bring us into the world and wondering about our lives. Let us have the cure for our lives, the big cure that you're enough, that you're there for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.